You got a, You had a coffee. You need to... What happened? Did you not drink your cappuccino? I drank the whole thing and I was zinging. And now you're down. Now we zonged. I told you. <laughs> what did you tell me? I Jonathan has just started drinking coffee. And I feel like Welcome no good can come of this. No good. No good? You need to... Because you go and you crash. Unless we like give you a little drip of coffee like... All throughout the day until maybe like 3 p.m. Like so you can sleep at night. Yeah, he needs like a drink. He's just I need a coffee drip. <laughs> drip. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Gem Junkies. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Brecken. And we're back. <laughs> we're never gone. We're back. Yeah, we're back. Another For another week. episode. Our Halloween episode. Yeah, it's our, our spooky, our ominous gem lore episode. We uh, had a good weekend, Halloween parties and all. Yep. Decorated some pumpkins with the girls. I got to go to the Utah versus USC football game. Go Utes! And I kind of lost my voice because I was screaming the whole game and dancing. It was a good game. Good game. I mean, it wasn't like a good game because we just like destroyed them. Wow. So but that's the half. game I like to watch. <laughs> when your team wins. Total domination. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, so we had a good weekend. We're back here now to talk about... Scary stuff. My yep. favorite holiday is Halloween. For sure. Probably because it is in October. Your birth month. My birth month. <laughs> it all comes back to this. It all comes back to me. Yeah. No, and the, um, I don't know, like October and you, you watch scary shows on TV and, and so we thought it would be kind of fun to tell. There's some weird stories out there about gemstones and yeah. what people used to think gemstones could do. So, still can. Still can, maybe. No, do not try these at home. Okay, <laughs> these, stories, <laughs> these stories have not been proven. And they're scary stories. So let's get right into it. Okay. Diamonds. Diamonds. Do you want me? Yeah. Start here? Yeah. Okay. Diamonds are bad. <laughs> bad. Yeah, so before... Diamond was a girl's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> and diamonds are forever. And before De Beers got their hands on them, uh-huh. there was a lot of mm, I don't know, I call them negative, but yeah. <laughs> so the Hindus believed that a flawed diamond or one containing specks or spots. So we shouldn't introduce them to salt and pepper diamonds. No salt and pepper diamonds. Salt and pepper diamonds. <laughs> was so unlucky that it could even deprive Indra of his highest heaven. Yeah. The original shape of the stone was also considered of great importance, more especially in early times when but few, if any, diamonds were cut. A triangular stone was said to cause... Fights. Quarrels. Quarrels. And a square diamond inspired the wearer with vague terrors. Like and night a, terrors, I guess. Yeah. Ooh. And a five-cornered stone had the worst effect of all, for it brought... Bum, bum, bum. Death. Death and destruction by diamond. So Just the shape. Only, only the six-cornered diamond. Which is the cubic, I mean the... 
like a perfect diamond specimen. Yeah, like a perfect diamond specimen. Was productive of good. So that was the only good one to have. Yeah. But I liked that people thought it could cause death by poisoning. Yeah. So they would crush it up into diamond dust and sprinkle it into food. And there's several accounts where it might have actually killed people. (laughs) So you have a story. Yes. Do you want to read your story about the diamond dust poisoning? So this first one is from Italy, mm-hmm. from Rome. Mm-hmm. And it was with... So the first story is about an Italian that was imprisoned in Rome in the 1500s, Cellini. And he was a goldsmith. And he was a goldsmith. Yeah. And he strongly suspected that his enemies were seeking to poison him by tampering with his food. Whoa. So Cellini shared the belief of his contemporaries that there was no more deadly poison than diamond dust. dust. So one day, while eating his noonday meal, he felt something great between his teeth. Oh my gosh. So he paid no particular attention to this, but when he had finished eating, his eye was caught by something bright particles on his plate. So picking one of these up and examining it carefully, he was terrified to find what he supposed To be a diamond splinter. Oh my gosh. What would you think if you believed that that was... The worst poison ever. The worst poison. Of course, you'd be beside yourself, this poor guy. So he straightaway gave himself up for lost, thinking that he'd swallowed a quantity of diamond dust. So he prayed to God for an hour and finally became reconciled to the thought of dying. Oh, so I did. I swallowed it. I'm going to die. I'm going to (laughs) die. But suddenly, it occurred to him that he had not tested the hardness of the fragment. Oh, that he had damn, found. here's where gemology comes in. Yep, yep. So he immediately took the splinter and tried to crush it between his knife and the stone on the windowsill. And? That's not even how you do a hardness test. But, but? But to his joy, the attempt succeeded and he became convinced that what he had swallowed was not diamond dust. Ooh. Relief, relief. What was it? So, later after his release, he learned that an enemy had given a diamond to a gem cutter and instructed him to grind it up so that the dust could be placed in his food. So there was a conspiracy. Yeah. The gem cutter was very poor and the diamond was worth a lot of money. Yeah. So the man yielded to temptation and stole it and substituted a citrine for the diamond. Yeah. So no problem eating citrine dust. So to this circumstance alone did Cellini attribute his escape from death. There you go. Darn those citrines. Those citrines? I mean, or thank goodness for citrine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I guess, perfectly safe to eat. <laughs> let's not try that. Yeah. Now, now there's let's a... not eat any gemstones. So let's just... So that story was back from the 1530s, right? Right. So there's another story from the 1600s about this poor guy, Sir Thomas Overbury, and he had incurred the bitter animosity of the Countess of Essex because he did not support her marriage. Well, the marriage went forward, and she was like, I don't like this guy. I married a powerful man. I'm going to put you in prison. So she puts him in prison, and she goes to an apothecary, and she's like, let's poison this dude. So she's like, what do you think about arsenic? The apothecary is like, no, too gruesome, too gross, too fast. No, it's not good. And she's like, what do you know about diamond dust? He said, nothing. 
nothing. I don't know about diamond dust. She's like, you're a fool. Here's some gold. Go buy some diamond dust. So he does. And he mixes it with mercury. (laughs) So diamond dust and mercury. Putting this poor guy's food. And he does. He lingers for three months. And then he dies. From diamond dust. But probably mercury poisoning. (laughs) Let's be real here. So, but it was a belief that diamond dust was probably one of the deadliest poisons out there. Yeah. And there's a there's kind of a funny story about so people used to believe when you swallow diamonds you would die, right? Right. There's a funny story recently about a a duck. Was it a duck? A fowl. A fa- some sort of fowl that had just won a, a prize winning cockerel. Yeah, it just won a prize, and while the owner was like holding the fowl and like, yeah, we did it. We won this. The bird ate the diamond ring off of its finger. The diamond out of the diamond Yeah, ring. diamond out of the diamond yeah. ring. And so and it, it did die, but it wasn't because of swallowing the diamond. It was killed because him. they killed They chloroformed him to get the they, diamond back. <laughs> that poor prize-winning cockerel. Really? That's what you get they did. for eating your owner's diamonds. Death to the bird. Death to the bird that ate it. Yeah. Not good. So diamonds are kind of funny too because there's a story, um, an old English ballad about two lovers. One was a sailor. One was the king's daughter. You gonna sing it? No, I <laughs> listen to my voice. All that cheering was just oh, so other, otherwise hard. you would. Otherwise I would, but it's not. It's not my oh, day. Oh, it's just it's not, not my day today. Okay, okay, next time. So the he the sailor loved the king's daughter. Uh, she loved him as well, and she gave him a diamond ring. And he had to flee out to sea to escape the king's wrath because the king did not want his daughter marrying a sailor. Well, when they were far from home, one day he looked upon his ring and he saw the diamonds pale and colorless, so no sparkle. And he said, Hold up. He turned around, he hastened back. And upon his return, he had seen that his love was unfaithful to him and was going to get remarried. to Or not remarried, but I guess married. Married. To uh, someone else. And he prevented it, and then they lived happily ever after. So I guess she really wasn't unfaithful. But no. it told him there was trouble a-brewing. Trouble. The diamond lost its color, and there goes trouble a-brewing. Yep. So that's also a that's also a fun kind of um, I don't know omen like ominous ominous like gemstones tell you if something bad is gonna happen yeah yeah and none more so than the ruby ruby yeah there's some crazy ruby stories out there so here's an account of an ominous ruby story. Ooh. Alas, that what I had often heard proclaimed by learned men I should myself experience, for as on the 5th of December, 1600... that's my sister's birthday. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. 5th of December. On the 5th of December, 1600, I was traveling from Stuttgart to Kahl with my beloved wife, Catherine Adelman of pious memory oh so we know she's dead already yep pious memory that's not a good thing (laughs) i plainly observed in the course of the journey that a very beautiful ruby which she had given me and which i wore on my hand set in a gold ring once 
and again lost its splendid coloring and became obscure. Changing its brightness for a dark hue, this dark hue continued not for one or two days only, but so long that I was greatly terrified, and removing the ring from my finger concealed it in a case. Wherefore, I repeatedly warned my wife that some great calamity was impending either for her (laughs) or for myself, the which I inferred from the change and variation of the ruby. Nor was I deceived, Mm -hmm. for within a few days she was seized with a dangerous illness which resulted in her death. Bam. Ruby told it. Ruby foresaw. Foresaw. Yeah. Now here's here's one that I think is hilarious. I mean, it's not hilarious because there's tragedy in this story, but it's kind of... It's very funny. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Another another gemologist. Another, yeah. So this or guy, Johann Jacob Spinner, was told this story by a trustworthy informant who happens to be a jeweler. So he says, there was a jeweler, expert, prudent, and rich. Three essential qualities in a jeweler, which, you know, <laughs> of course. So one day he washed his hands and he sat at a table and glanced at his ruby and he remarked that the stone, which usually delighted his eye, had lost its brilliancy and become dull. Since he believed that others, what others had related to him, he was firmly persuaded that some misfortune threatened him. And having removed the ring from his finger, he placed it in a case. I don't know why they always take it off. Or why it has to go in a case. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> maybe like, <laughs> like shield If you them. lock it up, it shields you or yeah. something? I don't know. It's weird. A fortnight later, one of the man's sons died of smallpox. Reminded by this event of the phenomenon observed in the ruby, the jeweler took it from the case and found on examination that it had regained its pristine brilliancy after his son's death. So it was like, something's going to happen. It happened. So it confirmed. Yeah. Once more, shortly after washing his hands... He remarked anew that the splendor of the ruby was dimmed, and he fell prey to the anxiety that some misfortune was impending. Since, however, his apprehensions proved vain, and no untoward event happened, he investigated the matter carefully and discovered that it was due to a drop of water, which had penetrated between the ruby and the foil, and that the former brilliancy returned when the water had evaporated. Yeah, so back in the day, they used to place foil underneath the stone because uh-huh. their cutting techniques weren't very good. They were weak, yeah. Yeah, so the foil helped create more brilliancy, but you get water underneath that. And it, and takes it dulls a, the stone. It dulls the stone. Yeah, so a lot of this could just be attributed to gunk between the stone and the foil, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say butt cheese again, but I did. Huh. Butt cheese. Right, so rubies are dark and ominous. I've never had a ruby turn dark. But, I mean, I guess when it needs cleaned. Right. So. So things do get dirty. Things do get dirty. Just clean your jewelry regularly and you'll be free of ominous events. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that I find so interesting and like going through all these different scary stories or ominous gem lore and that kind of stuff is that you can kind of understand it in medi- in the medieval times, yeah. right? Like they didn't really have ways to explain death or 
right. wealth or They're always like looking that. for They're a reason. And... For, there wasn't science behind anything. Right. But then during the Renaissance, when you'd think that maybe some of these superstitions would lose their luster, they don't. No, they go the other direction. They go the other to direction. To prove them. To try to prove it. Like, all right, emeralds create wealth. What in it, what in an emerald actually makes it so someone gets wealthy? So they don't try to disprove that emeralds cause wealth. They try to prove it, which I, you know, I think is pretty interesting. So. For sure. It's like the placebo effect almost, right? Yeah. So if you believe it to be true, if you believe this gemstone is going to make you happy and cause great fortune and that kind of stuff, then it, then it will because you look for that. Or if you believe this ruby has some ominous undertone and, and identifies misfortune and, and death, then every time the ruby needs cleaned, you're going to say, someone's going down. Right? Right. No? Yeah. All right. Emeralds are special. Emeralds are special. And there's a story about an Arabian gem dealer. Mm-hmm. And this is his story in 12... 42. So way back when. Way back when. After having read and learned books of this peculiarity of the emerald, I tested it by my own experiment and found the statements exact. It chanced that I had in my possession a fine emerald, and with this I decided to make the experiment on the eyes of a viper. Therefore, having made a bargain with a snake charmer to procure me some vipers, as soon as I received them, I selected one and placed it in a vessel. This being done, I took a stick of wood, attached to the end a piece of wax, and embedded my emerald in this. I then brought the emerald... This sounds just dangerous. Yeah. Playing with vipers? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds cool. (laughs) I then brought the emerald near the viper's eyes. The reptile was strong and vigorous, and even raised its head out of the vessel. But as soon as I approached the emerald to its eyes, I heard a slight crepitation and saw that the eyes were protruding... And dissolving into a humor. After this, the viper was dazed and confused. Of course. Just his eyes burned out of its head. I had expected that it would spring from the vessel, but it moved uneasily hither and thither, without knowing which way to turn, and its agility was lost. And its restless movements soon ceased. So it died? It died. Oh. So So the emerald killed the viper. Yeah. So if you're ever in, you know, snake territory, just strap some emeralds to your ankles. (laughs) And there you go. (laughs) You don't need those snake guards. You know, they sell those things. They're like shin guards. Like shin guards so that the snakes can't bite your ankles when you walk through the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. Just, we should bejewel some snake guards with emeralds. Yeah. And there you go. Double protection. How does this even make, this is just gibberish. Like, what? I mean, I get, like... He did it with his own eyes. Like, I get why diamond dust, they think diamond dust is a poison, but that's because they're mixing it with mercury here. And I get why maybe a ruby seems ominous, because it gets dark and then it lightens back up. But, like, an emerald burning out the eyes of a viper, I just don't see it. It was a sick viper already. Maybe the viper was not strong and vigorous. Or maybe the guy, because you said he's a gem dealer. Maybe he was trying to, like, sell more emeralds. Yeah. And he's like, I did this with a viper. Yeah. You know? Look at this viper. Look at this viper. I killed it with my emerald. 
Which really he poisoned it, or yeah, yeah could be to increase sales in yeah. in twelve forty two. You never know. You yeah. don't know what the emerald market was like back then. It could yeah, have been maybe tough. he got a oh, maybe he just got a great parcel of it, and he wanted to raise his prices. Raise his prices. <laughs> and Daddy had a new boat payment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think too, we we can't leave our Halloween special without talking about opals. Opal, the scariest gemstone of them all. Scariest? Well, the I, luckiest of well, them all. Well, so this is the one superstition. This is the one superstition that persists to this day. That opals are unlucky. It I, does? It does. When I, worked, when I worked in a retail jewelry store, you would show people opals and you'd be like, I can't wear those. Those are unlucky. It's and you'd like, ask them why, and they'd be like, oh, I don't know, opals are just unlucky. But it's a superstition that's still to this day. But most exists. superstitions have, an, have a reason. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I always think is funny, is because I always ask people that, like, why? Well, it's, it's just is. Like, what superstition is just is? Like, everything is a superstition, and it's because of... Well, there is because of. There but is nobody knows. Of, that's what's weird. I like, know. how do you believe in a superstition that has no reason? I know. You know. I know the opal superstition. What is it? So, before kind of researching this was with opal, I didn't understand the connection of opals with eyes. Like, I didn't know there was any connection. Right. And opal actually gets its name from eye stone, which which is, how do you say that? Ophthalmolos? Ophthalmolos? No, we're going back to episode two where Breckenfell Ophthalmios. Or eye stone. Yeah. Ophthalmios. Ophthalmios. Yeah, so I didn't know how it related with eyes, but it actually derives its name, opal, from ophthalmios, which is eye stone. And there's a story of a sacred stone, which is attributed to an opal, and this clever uh, Scandinavian Vulcan, I guess he is, formed a gemstone from the eyes of children and yeah and uh what happened to children well i i don't know it doesn't go into that but it is said that if you look into an opal you can often see the image of a boy or a girl in the pupil of the eye yeah crazy huh yeah that's how we kind of get this opal tied in with the eye, but also it it was never like a bad thing with the eye. It was supposed no. to help eyesight right. and cure eye ailments. Yep. One thing I found really interesting was that opal was like a friend of thieves. Like it was believed that if you had an opal, you would become invisible to other people. So it was like your little cloak of invisibility for all you Harry Potter fans. Just yeah. get yourself an opal. And try to wander around Hogwarts. Yeah, they called it the patron of thieves. <laughs> the patron of thieves. And that it would kind of obscure... It wouldn't make you invisible, but it would obscure the vision of everyone around you. So they couldn't see the funny business that was going on that yeah. you were doing. Um, but this connection with the eye, a lot of people think that uh, it also got equated with the evil eye. Which is superstitious and kind of scary and... And so they think maybe that's where some of the opal superstition came from. But also, you have to remember that opal's a fragile stone. And 
when they were mining it and cutting it heavily, that's when a lot of these superstitions came out in the 15th century, 16th century. And so think about think about it this way. Some lord or baron gives you this huge opal to cut. And you break and it. And you break it. Because well, whose that happens fault is that? You a don't lot. Wanna, you're just a poor gem cutter. You it's don't not your to, fault. It's not your fault. It's the opal's fault. It's, it's bad luck. It's misfortune. It is the stone's fault. Not yours. Right. So I, I think also that's how it became an unlucky stone. Right. Was that it, it was kind of given that because of its fragility. Because of its vulnerability. Except for black opal. Which yeah, black opal's always never lucky. been bad. Black opal's always lucky because it's so rare. Yeah, which that was one of the things in reading this that I didn't realize is is that black opals used to be artificially made by dipping the light colored stone into ink, or by allowing burnt oil to enter the cracks of the stone, produced by heating. So I didn't realize that they used to create black opal before black opal was ever discovered, because mm. black opal wasn't ever discovered until the 1900s in Australia. Yeah. So that was something that I thought was really interesting that I didn't realize like people thought to turn white opal to black opal before black opal even existed. Yeah, because the deposits in Hungary where, I mean, which are pretty white. much the Light. first. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much all white or milky opal. Yeah. So I yeah. thought it was kind of interesting that they were trying to create something that hadn't even been discovered yet, which would eventually be... Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Oh, mm-hmm. Kind of cool. But there's also a story of a king who paid like, what was it? five crowns or they equate it to like two hundred thousand dollars for an opal and he enjoyed it more than a diamond that he paid like 40 crowns for right and that was like before opals were a bad thing yeah so it's always been written about that that opals were the most interesting and the most valued and people loved and cherished them and Mm -hmm. yeah so One other mysterious property of gemstones is there's a lot of stories about them glowing at night. Mm. And why do they all of a sudden just glow at night? And there seems to be this power imbued with them. And a lot of it is related to rubies. And I think it's because ruby, red, fire, that kind of stuff. Satan. (laughs) Satan is red. Ruby, red, fire, that kind of like burning ember kind of a thing. Right. Um, there, there's a, there's kind of a, a... An old story. An old story, a pretty little poem about a man who wanted to light the bridge over the river, uh, the Thames Bridge in London. Right. And they called, back then they used to call rubies... Carbuncle. Carbuncles. Carbuncle stones. I don't so, know why. I don't, I don't... What's a carbuncle? Red gemstone. Red gemstones, but typically a garnet. But interesting. So anyway. Back in the day, they used to call rubies carbuncle stones. And that was just any red gemstone. Right. Right. So at the last, he thought to make a light for the bridge to shine by night with carbuncle stones to make men wonder with double reflection above and under. Then new thought troubled his mind carbuncle stones how might he find and where to find wise men and through which would for his interest pursue in seeking all the world about plenty of carbuncles to find out for this he took so mickle thought that he sat flesh wasted nigh to naught 
So clearly he never got to make his lights for the bridge. Yep. But it was but it shows how popular the belief was that rubies shone with their own light and yeah. would make a bridge glow at night. I mean there are stones that do phosphoresce. Phosphoresce, but not glow at night. <laughs> no, but I mean that you could theorize that maybe someone came off of this came you know, this story came from someone seeing a stone that phosphoresced. Maybe. Yeah. Like opal phosphoresce. Some opal phosphoresces. Some, yeah. And some and other gemstones phosphoresce, which means it emits light. But for like milliseconds. <laughs> yeah, so like you turn off the lights and bam, you get to see it for half a second. Yeah, like not even as much as like those stars that you put on your ceiling glow. Those, <laughs> those at least last a few hours. Yeah, I don't know. Those crazy people. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, because there's not there's not any gemstone that I can think of that has like long term phosphorescence. No, not that I can think of. Not unless like something was like radioactive and it glowed. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, so I so this this book that we got all these fun stories out of is The Curious Lore of Precious Stones by George Kuntz, who happens to be a very famous gemologist. And when I was just starting in the gem business, jewelry business, I wanted to learn like everything I could possibly learn about gemstones. So I bought this book on Amazon. Yeah. And I was I was flipping through it and I was like, mm, I don't I don't know. I mean, can I use this in a sale? <laughs> These rubies are going to glow at night. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and next page. Yeah. And, but yeah. no, it's a it's kind of a fun book. It kind of gives you, I mean, just the name says it all, the curious lore of precious gemstones. I mean, these things go way, way back into history and we've, we've used them as talismans and, and, and all that and decorated ourselves with them for centuries. Yeah. So happy Halloween. Thanks for listening to another episode of Chum Junkies. Mm -hmm. And if you want to see what we do every day, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Parlay Gems. Yes, there you go. Jonathan said it. He did it. And uh, yeah, yeah, episode 21. Too bad it's not episode 31. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been better. Or 13. 13. We did too many. We should have planned better. Yeah. No. Darn it. Uh... Yeah, you can cut that out. You can I'm just giving stop her it. sound effects. No, I think she can get her own sound effects. I mean, I mean, no, I think she can, she can. No. Yeah, she can get her own. All right, well, thank you so much for tuning into our Halloween special of Gem Junkies. Uh, I'm Brecken. And this is Jonathan. Thanks for listening. Bye.